Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I've got an awesome new supporting partner to tell you about, and that's Stashed Products. If you've ever wished the bike storage in your garage was better, then the Stashed Space Rail is the answer. It's basically like a wardrobe rail for your bikes, allowing you to slide bikes across until you get to the one you want and then lift it out easily. The Space Rail is a modular rail system that will allow you to build out a system that can take anywhere between 1 and 24 bikes. For me and the family, I've put in a system that can handle up to 8 bikes, and when I fitted it, the first thing my wife said was, wow, that takes up way less space. That's because the Stash Space Rail has a hook for each bike, which can be spun through 360 degrees and slid along the rail. That means you can spin every other bike through 180 degrees and slide them up really close together. Whichever bike you want to get, it's super simple, you just slide the rest out of the way and grab it down. The system is universal and it works for all bikes up to a three inch tire. The system is super well designed and made, making it a breeze to fit. It took me about two hours to put mine up, but if your garage ceiling joists are exposed, then I think it would take less than an hour. There was minimal packaging and none of the packaging was plastic, which was great. So if you want convenient, easy to access, yet still space-saving bike storage, then the Stash Space Rail is the one for you. Because it's so good, it's in crazy demand right now, so there's not going to be any discounts floating about. But we do have something special for downtime listeners. If you spend £200 or more on a space rail system, then downtime listeners get a free set of pedal wraps in their choice of size worth up to £20. Just add the pedal wraps to your car and use the code DOWNTIME at the checkout. You've got until the end of February to make the most of that code. And if you want to save more, then there's currently free shipping worldwide on all systems over £250 until the end of January 2023. Check them out over at stashedproducts.co.uk. That's S-T-A-S-H-E-D products.co.uk and use the code downtime to get your free pedal wraps. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, here are a few ways that you can support the podcast. Downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies are available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If like I do, you've got a soft spot for print, then for just £20, you can subscribe to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP. Made in collaboration with the incredible team over at Miss Spent Summers, Downtime EP takes the topics and themes from the podcast and brings them into a stunning print format featuring mountain biking's most talented writers and photographers. You can subscribe over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. If you want a little bit more downtime in your life, then you can join my newsletter where I'll provide you with a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews of products that I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the follow button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. And if you've done all that, then please also give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook too, where we're at Downtime Podcast. All the links you need for all of that are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. All right, today I'm joined by Madison Saracen's lead rider, Matt Walker. Matt is a super analytical rider with a highly dedicated focus on performance. Matt isn't the most outspoken rider, but when we do hear from him, you know it's worth listening to. We chat about the last couple of years for Matt with a series of up and downs that have seen him battle injury, take an overall and secure his first Elite World Cup win. Hear how Matt feels about being an underdog, how he approached finding the missing performance in 2021, what he does to stay motivated and plenty more. So without further ado, here's Matt Walker. Matt Walker, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things, man? Good, mate. Yeah. Thanks for having me once again. Um, yeah. Glad to be back. 
things are good. Um, a little bit better than the middle of the year anyway. It's got better since then. Uh, back on the bike now. Had a nice Christmas with the family. Good. Um, yeah, all good, really. Yeah, some rough times. But um, let's let's pull it back to the, like, the last time you were on the podcast. It was longer than I thought, actually. It was May 2019 that episode came out. Wow. You were kind of hot off that fifth place at the opening round in Maribor. Um, riding on a bit of a high and that took a bit of a knock quite soon afterwards at Fort William at the BDS didn't it yeah yeah um, that's quite a big it was quite a big like moment in my career I guess um, and I learned quite a lot from that as well um, I think at that point probably when I was last time on the podcast like you said I just finished fifth at the World Cup in Maribor so it was my first podium at a World Cup I think maybe a week before or two weeks before that race we had an IXS in Maribor as well and I won the I won the IXS and then even earlier than that in the season we had a national and I managed to win that as well it so I went from winning the national to winning an IXS to getting on the podium and it was the first time in my career like in elite racing anyway where I felt the first time I felt oh I can be really competitive yeah and um just one of them things I was young it was the first like experience of racing at the top and and having good results and just got overconfident basically and uh yeah obviously went to the national in Fort William was just riding like flat out taking risks without even really knowing it I just you kind of think you're invincible and like you're never going to crash or hurt yourself whatever and then yeah ultimately had this massive crash in practice um and that kind of set me set me back um, quite a lot. I think more mentally than physically in the end. Um, but yeah, I just had had this big crash. I remember. So basically, in the crash, I kind of I went down. It was just as we as you go into the woods. So been off for all that like fast rough stuff in the top. Come into the trees and um, yeah, just tucked the front, landed on like this big root on like my ribs, and I'm. I just basically got that winded. I remember like crawling around all fours, trying to get a bit of breath. And usually when you're winded, you get like a little bit in and then you start to kind of come around and recover. And I just got nothing. And then the next thing I remember, I was on my back. I opened my eyes and I was still in the trees. And I was like, what the hell has happened here? And um, luckily Matt Simmons was with me. He'd been riding with me a little bit in the morning. And he said, oh, you've been passed out. So basically what had happened was I'd like starved my brain of oxygen and my body just shut down. So it's like being knocked. I just like got unconscious because I couldn't breathe. So yeah. it literally felt like I was being strangled. Whoa. It was horrible. It was like the most traumatic experience I've had to do with bikes. That's pretty scary, man. Yeah. And then I got kind of taken away in like a stretcher and stuff because they were worried about my back because I kind of hit my ribs so hard, whatever. And then, yeah, taking to hospital and all the rest of it. And then I am I think I rode the World Cup four weeks later and I remember just trying to get through the weekend. I was in so much pain, but I thought if I'm going to get through any of the weekends, Four Williams is probably one of the best because I don't have to ride so much because I kind of know where I'm going. Yeah, I can really manage my effort and my energy and um, just battle through the weekend just with painkillers and stuff. And then uh, kind of got over that hurdle, had a good result. I was seventh. I remember just, I was like broken after the race, like in the evening after the race and just thought, oh, I'm like so glad I got over that. 
but then almost forgetting the fact that on Tuesday you fly to Leo Gang to <laughs> yeah. do it all again. Yeah. And the wheels just came off at that point. Like I was just, for those four weeks in between, I was so focused on just getting the race or getting Fort William ticked off and being able to race because it was such a big goal. And then, um, yeah, as I say, once that I got over that hurdle, it was like I needed a release and I just couldn't, I just seemed to struggle after that really. And mentally I, I I I, I kind of was given a minute to think about what had happened. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just went, just struggled a lot, really. I was riding scared and for, like, for, the, for that, the back end of the season. So I just really struggled with like committing to stuff on the bike. And I was like, I was coming down after race runs, kind of feeling like not great and turning around and the time was shocking. And then I'd be, I'd be coming home like going back in the gym, training hard, going like and be fit and strong, but then go to the races and just fall apart. And it was the same every weekend. And the more I was trying, the the worse it was getting in a way. And I just couldn't get out of this cycle. And then, uh, yeah, as I say, it was like quite a big turning point for me really, because then towards the end of the 2019 season, started working with a sports psychologist, more just to understand where, like why I was feeling this way. I'd never, I'd never had like a, traumatic experience with bikes yeah, before okay. yeah and i never experienced like riding scared or yeah not being able to commit like fully um obviously you know we crashed i've crashed bikes thousands of times but i've never like been on a stretcher or never been knocked out or any of those things and then when it all kind of happened for some reason your brain tells you oh when you get on your bike again that there's a chance this can happen and you almost feel like if you crash, that's going to happen every time. Yeah, yeah. And you just, yeah, I guess it's the brain's way of like trying to protect itself and keep you alive ultimately. Yeah, it's totally natural, right? Yeah, but- yeah, totally natural. I just needed someone, like of an expert opinion, to just sit me down and explain me that, or explain to me that all these feelings are just totally natural. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then kind of worked through that and then came back better in 2020. And it was like, yeah, it was just a big learning curve, really. And it was a shame in a way that it took, you know, the majority of the season because I feel like I started really well, but just overconfident ultimately. And But moving forward, it's made me, I guess, more rounded and more, I don't know, I can just, uh, I can just read my body a little bit better, I guess, and read where I'm at. Yeah, I know when I'm in a good place, but then I know not to, push it too far kind of you know after I've had that experience I kind of know like right I'm feeling confident now but let's not push it and take any more risks you know yeah. I think it's just helped me be a bit more consistent maybe so yeah. I've got a bit older nice has that relationship with the sports psychologist continued then do you still work together yeah 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 ever since so the end of 2019 we we catch up relatively regular I'd say we're all I come in a group chat and um so the way I set it up is basically I'm in a, a WhatsApp group like most people are <laughs> yeah. just with my support network. And then I have all the members of the team, staff, and then sports psychologist, um, S&C coach, whatever. And so all in one group. So it, all communication is really easy and clear. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 uh, I chat to her quite often and through the season, probably every day at a World Cup, I would say. Okay. Um, not as a 
not as, as if I need the reassurance every day. I just check in to say, oh, this is what my day looks like. Yeah. This is what I'm getting up to. And generally it's like, yeah, cool. All right. Enjoy tomorrow. And that's it. Okay. It doesn't ever go any further than that. But um, I just, it's nice to know that she's there if anything would happen. And also, you know, she can talk to any other members of the staff, like my mechanic or Will or anyone to just get a full picture of what's going on. Yeah. Do you think that's quite a like a common approach and setup. Do you speak to other riders about how they deal with their support network and, and, and key people like that? Um, no, honestly, no, not really. I mean, you, you get to hear that, you know, some riders have some coaches and like Millway is one. I'm good friends with Charlie Hatton and he's, he has Millway there at most World Cups, yeah. I would say. And he's kind of on hand to look after that side. Um, but no, not really. I mean, I'm sure there are riders that have people with them like, and help them support them through the weekend and have like their support networks. But um, yeah, it's just the way I run mine and I see that it works for me. So Yeah, sounds like a smart approach. Have you found particular like tools and techniques on that sports psychology side that work for you? Because I think everyone's different in this area, right? Like- yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um no, not really, because my perception of sports psychology was like, not witchcraft, but oh, they're going <laughs> to tell me like, oh, 20 deep breaths before you do your race run and you'll all be fine type of thing. Yeah. But it's not really like, it was never really like that at all. Um, so no, there's not really, for me, it wasn't like tools and tricks to deal with situations. It was more me understanding why I feel certain ways. Okay. It was more just having the knowledge. Yeah. And then I can at least understand why I'm feeling a certain way. And then it's easier to like, it's easier to change or easier to like, um, yeah, manipulate how you feel, I guess a little Mm. bit. Um, yeah. Like for me, it's just understanding why the body or why your brain tells you certain, certain things after trauma, after an injury, after whatever. And then, you can work with that. But if you don't know what's going on, it's quite a scary place to be. Yeah, totally. Is that something you say you'd like you actively work on? So everyone works on like physical conditioning. They work on riding more and getting bikes set up. Do you focus on that as well? Like, is there a plan of work for that or is it more? Not so much a plan of work, but it does. It's definitely in my training, I would say, but it's not very structured as in on Wednesday afternoons, I'm going to, you know do mental training whatever but yeah in and around racing and before racing i do quite a lot of visualization stuff so Uh that could be with um watch whilst watching gopros or um but it doesn't necessarily have to for me doesn't necessarily have to be about visualizing the race run a lot of the time it's a lot of the time it is the race run but also it can be practice and like it doesn't always have to go well. Okay. You know, like you can almost visualize having a crash or making mistakes because those things happen. Yeah. And it's about being able to deal with those things when it does happen. Yeah. And also like trying to visualize like the top of the hill before the race run and really thinking about, um, I don't know, like the sun or like the temperature or the smells or what you can hear and kind of things. And to really try and put yourself there. And I feel like for me, it just made, it makes it easier when you do 
when you are at the top of the hill because it's such a stress like stressful place an intense place to be before your race run if you visualize it a bit when you're actually there i feel like your brain's already ready to cope with it a little yeah, yeah. bit in a bit of a strange way yeah so it's not only just um visualizing the actual riding itself but also visualizing different times around a race weekend yeah, when it's gone can, bad or when it's gone good you know? yeah because you can practice the track all week kind of thing but you can't yeah. practice being at the top of the hill on race day no and if you like, like you know if if less it's such a mental game and you like you say you can practice the track all all weekend but if you fall apart 20 minutes before your race run like forget it yeah, yeah. so it is important to to be comfortable in them situations and visualizing that for me does help Interesting. Mm. How does that work then? Let's say at a track or that's either new or has changed. So like Valnord this year was a different track, totally different, in a yeah. different place. Yeah, you, you maybe don't know what that top of the track thing's going to turn out like. No. Do you find the visualization like more or less useful on a weekend like that? Well, you basically just can't. Um, I think you probably could like during the weekend once you can suss it out, kind of thing. But. Um, no, I guess you just, to be honest, like the visualization stuff I use either pre-season or like coming into the season to just get your body ready to deal with those like pre-race nerves and stuff yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when you're in the middle of the season, you're used to it. You're doing it every weekend. So it's not yeah. like a, it's not something you need to adjust to, you know, you're, you're ready for it. It's just more something like first few races of the year, just try and like make it as less of a shock as possible really interesting have you ever done it with a heart rate monitor on no no i haven't okay. but i would be interested because obviously in a in like in a race start your heart rate must be up anyway but it'd be interesting yeah. to see how where it's at yeah whether you can recreate that i know finn yeah. said that his his heart rate gets pretty high th through visualization stuff yeah yeah and i've definitely i've noticed it if i if i'm sat on the trainer just like plodding along but start thinking about riding downhill. Yeah, yeah. My heart rate goes up. Yeah, it's for sure. Really yeah. weird, but yeah, I always have like. There's a few traits I have. Like I'll get sweaty palms, but also cold hands. Yeah. Really weird. I don't know why that is, but every time like I'm nervous, I get cold hands. So you can almost like visualize that. It's really yeah. When you're like there and in it, it's crazy what your brain Sh can, it shows like, the power of the brain. Yeah, hey? it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So yeah, 2019 was like, like you say, a rough year, but coming into 2020, kind of, we all know the story, COVID shut everything down for a bit. Yeah. Um, but you sort of went away and capitalized on that, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, I felt like it was just a good opportunity. I was obviously being young and feeling like I probably had, well, I just it was in a way gifted this a huge amount of time to train and get better ultimately because if you think about like a one-off season it's not actually that long by the time you've had a bit of time off and Christmas and New Year gets in the way and then I don't know maybe it's 12 maybe 15 weeks of, of like block of work yeah split up between flying here to do this and then do that and then a test camp and whatever like physical training wise it's like maybe 12 weeks um and then obviously with covid and we had basically all year to train i just thought well i'm young i'm keen to crack on uh i'm not going to use it as a holiday i'll just get my head down and try and improve and and get fitter and stronger because i felt at that point in my career that was going to help me quite a lot 
Um, so yeah, just kept my head down really and grafted really hard and just kept eyes on the prize for the end of the year. Obviously, we found out relatively early that there was going to be a race season at the end of the year and it was all going to get pushed back and then that was the next goal. So just worked towards that really and then, yeah, it kind of ended up being better than I expected. Yeah, do you measure stuff through like a big training block like that? Are you using metrics to... I don't know whether it's just to track performance or to help motivation. Like, uh, yeah, and I think in terms of like tracking performance, there's definitely stuff. Obviously, numbers in the gym is a classic one, and everyone will use that. There's power on the bike, so if you're doing sprints, we use a power crank, so you can kind of measure that. That's pretty simple. But then for like for motivation, um, sometimes I'll put just at little events in throughout my training that's nothing to do with downhill specifically but maybe like a physical challenge i remember in 2020 i just my birthday's the end of may and i said to myself right on my birthday i'm going to set myself a challenge i'm going to ride 100 miles on my road bike never in 100 miles before i think only maybe that winter i'd ridden 100k for the okay. first time so i was like right i want to ride 100 miles so it was just a little challenge and it just uh, keeps you accountable a little bit, and like, yeah, yeah. because you've got to you've got to kind of meet that goal and and achieve it. Um, so just little things like that, I try and keep in my training every couple of months or whatever, just to just to yeah, keep you motivated to do it. I guess and yeah. I think that like even even this winter, I booked to do a ten k run. I've never done a ten k run before. <laughs> I mean, I have, but I think I've done one maybe in training just like really steady but yeah like a 10k race yeah. um locally so i booked to do that that's the end of february so that just keeps me keeps like will keep me wanting to go and run and just keep my eye in with that um which is all like great fitness and stuff and then also I booked a cross country race for the start of march <laughs> just like little things like that which have nothing really to do with downhill but it's just a little bit of motivation to get yourself in shape to yeah to do well at those races because ultimately I'm competitive and whatever I'm doing I want to do as well as I can of course yeah so it just helps me um yeah crack on a little bit interesting yeah I was going to ask what kind of gave you the motivation to work so hard through that that long protracted off season because like a lot of people sort of struggle to get going so we didn't mm. know when the racing was or you know, decided to take a bit of a break, but you, you pushed on. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Was it, do you, do you think part of that was a bit of fire from 19 not going your way? Yeah, I think so. I felt like I definitely had something to prove after starting so well and then not ending the way I wanted to. I did feel like 2019, like I had a real lull in the middle of the season where I just really couldn't get it together. And I feel like towards the end of the year, it started to come back. And even like national races at home started to feel a bit more like myself. And I think um, I probably felt like the season ended a little bit early for me. So I was hungry to to keep going and, and get back racing really. So um, yeah, I had probably a bit of fire in my belly after the back off the back of 2019 knowing that it didn't go the way I wanted to um, so yeah I felt, probably felt like I had a bit to prove and that gave me motivation to crack on yeah nice and you've got a habit of starting season strong yeah and you've done all that extra work as well like how did you feel turning up at world champs in Lear game yeah re honestly really good um, probably at that point probably the most confident I've been and also ha having the knowledge that I'd been through what I'd been through in 2019 and I, I really had felt like I'd learned from that. I'd obviously started working with 
uh, Sarah, sports psychologist. And um, I'd learned a lot of things there. And I just felt a more rounded athlete. I was stronger and fitter than I had been before. So I'd take a lot of confidence from that. Um, and I've been riding the downhill bike basically all summer because okay. we could go. I went, I did a trip to Morzine. I was there for two weeks, did some solid downhill stuff. Um, so I felt like I'd ridden my bike more than ever coming into a into a World Cup season. So I felt really comfortable on my downhill bike. We'd had so much time of riding. I was, you know, I, I'd spent so much time kind of finessing with a setup, if you know what I mean, like little clicks here and there, trying little things and trying stuff that I wouldn't normally try just because okay. we had the amount of time. Yeah. Just like, yeah, going crazy with the settings just to try it and just so I could write it off kind of thing and just yeah, yeah. working for it really systematically. And um, yeah, I just felt like really, really well prepared for that season. And then um, before Leo Gang Worlds, we went away in the truck for three weeks. Um, so there was me, you and my mechanic and Will, the team manager. Danny was already out there in his camper anyway yeah. with his mechanic. So we went out and did some riding, schladming. We actually did a little bit in Leo Gang as well and just some road riding and just it was just really good to spend quality time with with the lads and just kind of build that bond and um yeah just do rides together and stuff and generally everyone was just in a really good place everyone was grateful to be after what had happened in the yeah. year to be at the bike races i think everyone was just happy to be there keen to get going i was in the shape of my life and yeah, that was it. It was just the recipe I needed, I think. Yeah, nice. And how was how was your race run at Leo Gang Worlds? Because that was a tricky old track oh, for everyone, right? It was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Remember, well, I went I went down in the woods. I crashed in the woods, but I think up until that point, I've been going all right. And I remember it was that tricky. Like Will said to me, "If you go down, just keep going because you never know." what it's like there's going to be so many people crashing and it turned yeah. out there was a lot of people crashing and um i remember him saying to me which is like the only time he's ever said it but it's like if you go down just get back on and keep going <laughs> and just keep charging because you never know and um yeah so i did end up going down in the woods and then kind of got back going i think i finished 13th or 16th me and danny were very close i don't know if we were he was 13 I was 16th or the other way around but I think it was 16th yeah there yeah. you go yeah um, yeah so 16th in that one but I think I was quite good at the top until I crashed or like competitive ish um, but I was relatively happy with how I rode um, all things considered throughout the weekend and just it is what it is and just moved on really yeah and well, we went to the back-to-backs and uh turns out back-to-backs treat you pretty well eh yeah yeah <laughs> I, was, I was a big fan of that yeah yeah so maribor was the first one two, yeah two podiums yeah like did you did you did you feel that that was coming like um maybe uh, i knew i was riding well i mean when i finished 2019 if someone had handed me a 16th place i would have been buzzing and at 2020 Worlds, I finished 16th and I crashed. Yeah. So I the confidence was up there already. I knew I was riding well. And then, oh, I and also we're going back to Maribor, which I podiumed at the year before. So I knew I enjoyed the track. Yeah. So it was all just 
yeah, sliding into place, I guess. And then I didn't really know until it was time training on the first, yeah, so the first day of riding, time training at the end of the day. Because in 2019, I'd always had this relationship with time tra- in, with time training that I never really felt like I was up to speed. And what would happen is I'd practice, I'd get to time training, and then I think, right, should, and I'd always been this um, like debate with myself whether to actually do a full run or not. Yeah, because I never really felt like if I do a full run, I'm gonna be that quick, which. On the face of it, it's totally fine because the race is on Saturday or Sunday, whenever. So it doesn't actually matter. It's only first day practice. But what was happening was I think, right, I'll go and put a full run in and I'd do a full run and I'd finish like 40th or, you know, at the back basically. Yeah. And then all night I'd be stressing. <laughs> all the next morning I'd be stressing, thinking, where have I, like, where am I going to find this time? And then it comes to qualifying, something had change. And all of a sudden, it's, it's actually a race that actually matters. I know everything would be fine. And yeah. I'll be back in the top 15 or top 20. Yeah. And it was kind of a trend. And I started thinking to myself towards the end of 2019, also struggling a little bit. I thought, I'm just going to sack time training off. I'll ride, but I'll just stop. Yeah. And I'll just look at the track and whatever. And then I know I'm not going to have a full run time. And then it's just easier to deal with because yeah. I always kind of knew that by qualifying, I'd be back kind of somewhere near anyway. So I just thought at that point, I thought I was just unnecessary stress putting myself through. Anyway, got 2020 and I was in Maribor first round of the kind of head to heads or whatever, or back to backs. And, um, I had, I felt really good on the track and I thought, no, I'm just going to do a full run. I feel actually really good this weekend. I'm just going to see what happens. And I think I was fifth. Nice. And then it was like, oh, this is mega. I should have done this earlier. Because then you, you get more confidence then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see Bernard and riders like yeah. that do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is a bit of me. I need to do this a bit more. And then it just, that was it then. That was the start, I feel like, of this the ball was rolling at this point. And then it was like, I finished fifth, but I didn't actually feel like I was doing anything that crazy. So if I just link it a bit better tomorrow and whatever for qualifying, then, and then it was, I can't remember where I qualified, but maybe in the top five. Yeah. And then finished fourth, maybe. Was it fourth? Fourth, it? yeah. Yeah, finished fourth. And then it was qualifying the next day. And I, I once again, I was in the top five. And then in finished third, was it? Yeah. And it was just like, uh, yeah. It was really strange. It was just so strange for me because I, I so quickly I'd gone from really really struggling, finishing just inside the top thirty or top twenty or whatever, and or feeling like I'm riding out of my skin and everything's perfect to be on the podium, and then all of a sudden in 2020 I'm just riding my bike down the hill, and it's top five every time, and it's like I couldn't I couldn't put a foot wrong if I tried. It was just like it was just coming to me so easily, and just time training qualifying racing just I was just knocking them out it was it was just such a I don't know it's it was just looking back it just seems like oh it was so easy yeah and it was but it was just I guess so many things had to be in place for that to allow that to happen and it's not it's not anything that I can look back at now and go oh I'll just replicate that because I don't know what it was 
totally yeah, that yeah, yeah. allowed that to happen. It's just that's what you're always kind of chasing and working towards. Um, Have you almost overanalyzed that year? Because like, you're quite an analytical kind of guy. I can imagine you being like, how do I, what was that recipe? Like, how do yeah. I find that again? Yeah, that's it. It's just trying to find that and trying to find the consistency. And I don't know what it was, but I think um, just having good people around you is such a big thing. And I've realized in the last few years how important it is. Um, like surround yourself with good people. And yeah, just uh, there's no shortcuts either. Like there is a recipe for sure. And it's difficult to work out what that is, but you can't replace hard work and just graft ultimately. Yeah. Um, you know, I worked all year and just kept my head down the whole time and got rewarded for it. And, you know, I didn't know that it was going to pay off at the time, but for it to pay off so quickly was was amazing. And yeah, still trying to find whatever that was. Um, but yeah, I think also... Me saying that, like, I got my head down and grafted. And I think it probably showed more than ever that year because people did have time off. Yeah, yeah. I think people were on the back foot a little bit and they weren't, they were unsure about when the race season was going to be. So didn't really commit as much as maybe they would have done if they knew it was going to be a normal season. And I just capitalised on that. I knew people would be on the back foot and not really pressing as usual. So just took full advantage, basically. Um, so, yeah, maybe that was a factor as well. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. When did you let yourself think about the overall? Um, probably not until I got the leader's jersey. Which was the last round, Which was it? the very yeah, last yeah. round, yeah. But I didn't feel like, because it was just coming so easily, I didn't feel like I had to do anything different. I honestly felt like I was just riding down the hill. I was ri obviously riding really well, but I didn't feel like I was doing anything different to every, any other year. I was just, I was attacking the track as I always would, but now I'm in the top five and not in the top 20. And it was just, yeah, just how it was. Um, I mean, the situation with the overall was, or my position was, um, my thinking was, look, I've got a position, I've got a chance to win the overall. I've actually got the leader's shares now and um, I could win the overall. But honestly, that the night before the final race, I think I'd qualified second or something, second or third. And I just remember thinking, well, even if I ride down tomorrow and I crash or I get a puncture or whatever and I just have a total nightmare. It doesn't matter because I've far surpassed anything I ever thought I would achieve this year as it is. Yeah. So if I don't win the overall, that's fine. Honestly, it was fine by me because even to be in the top five was like such a huge achievement and to have at that point three races and three podiums and never being outside the top five, it was just such a... It was such a whirlwind and I'd achieved so much in such a short amount of time. It was enough to kind of accept that. And was, just... was it fine or did you convince yourself it was fine? Because like you said, you're super competitive. I did am you... super competitive, yeah. But I just, honestly, I was, I as I said, I far surpassed everything I, 
everything I wanted to achieve or expected to achieve. And I would never set myself a goal like win the overall if I didn't realistically think I could do it. Fair, yeah. Because probably in that season, if well, if someone had asked me in Maribor on track wall day, are you going to win the overall this year? I would have probably said realistically no, but I'd like to have a top five or a top 10. Yeah. And I'd achieve them goals. Um, so I was, I was happy with that and I was happy with how it had gone, regardless if I actually won the overall or not. Um, but so from that side, there was no reason for me to change what I was doing. And ultimately that was, that was the, that's why I won it because I didn't try and do anything different on the last day. I didn't try and push any more than usual. I just hit my markers and rode down the hill and, and that's what it led to. So, um, yeah, I think I was just, because I was in a place where I was just so happy with how it was going and generally just in good spirits and just ultimately it was such a surreal time for me. I just thought, well, it's been going so well so far. There's no need to, to change it. Yeah. And, um, that's all it took at the end. Did the weather play into that at all in your head? Because it rained, didn't it, towards the Yeah, it rained towards end. the end, yeah. yeah. And it was just like, well, I think it helped. That that approach to me helped because I'd put less weight on the on the occasion, Yeah, less weight on that final run. And I went in with the mindset as it'll be what it'll be. I'm happy with how it's gone. Let's just go for it. And um, yeah, win or lose, on that final day, I was kind of, I was happy with that, as I said. So, uh, yeah, I think when it rained, it was just almost comical. I remember just laughing on the turbo train, just like the first time I've had the overall and I'm racing for the overall today and it's rained halfway through the race. Yeah, Class. of course. Yeah, of, course yeah. of course it has. Classic. <laughs> yeah. So it was just comical and yeah. Um, I remember being in the start and I was with my mechanic he'd give me a pat on the back and I said, uh, I'll get you a G&T at the bottom. And that was it. And I set off. Happy days. Happy days. Did you have any feedback? Because Danny was already off the hill, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I did have a little bit. Um, not, f- I think Danny had obviously got down and said, oh, it's pretty slippy or whatever. I remember saying, I think Loris maybe, because Loris was second in the overall. Mm. We were really, really close. Yeah. And um, it was basically... At that point in time, it was for me, me and him were kind of battling for it. Um, and Loris had come down, then I had some feedback from Will. His first question was, do you want to know how Loris has got on? And I said, no. And then the second thing he said was, do you want any information on the, on the track? And I said, yes. And he said, the top bit, Danny said, is slippy. So just feel your way into it and push as much as you feel confident with. That's it. Yeah. So I said, "Cool, that's fine," and that's what I went with. So I had no idea how Loris had got on, and then yeah, obviously didn't really know what the track was going to be like. Just kind of went into it and felt my way as I as I went. Kind of you thing. could see in your riding though how confident you yeah. were in the bike, yeah, and your ability to get down that hill quickly. Like you could just see, like you were on the edge attacking. You knew exactly like what the bike could do for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was so... It's just so much bike time, I think. Um, and yeah, like like I said, I just... I'd spent so much time on it. And like I said, it was like finessing with little bits and bobs. 
But when it came to the races, I don't remember actually changing that much at all. Um, just riding the bike for for what it was. As, as I said, I was just really comfortable and just happy and just letting letting it happen. Yeah. Just subconsciously letting it happen, if you know what I mean. Just like people often talk about being in the zone and just, uh, yeah, it was just happening without me really thinking about it. Amazing. I guess that's why it felt easy. Yeah. So coming into that off season, you must have been pretty happy with yourself. Like you say, that went about as well as it could do. Yeah. How did that translate into your winter's training? Like, did it make you go harder? Did it maybe take away a bit of motivation because it had come sort of seemingly easy to you that year? I felt like um, I'd won the overall, yes, but I'd not won a race. Yeah. So that was a big point. I think almost that was a positive. I think if I'd I'd won a race as well, maybe the net, the the motivation thing would have been a little bit different. But I was really motivated because I'd felt like I'd um, achieved a lot, but also I'd never, not won a race. So, like, I was fastest over a season or a short season, but I was never fastest on the day outright. And yeah. that was a big sticking point for me, really. So it was, that was the next goal immediately. As soon as I got home, it was like, right, we're working towards a World Cup win. Um, I've kind of proved myself now. It's all about putting race weekends together to win and turning up to win, basically, which was a really, it was a really, really nice place to be because I felt like as I've gone through my career, a lot of the time I've been turning up to race weekends to win, even from being youth to junior, junior yeah. World Cup, whatever. And it had taken a couple of years where I'd been going to races not to win, knowing I'm not going to win. Yeah. And it's just about learning and about going through the process and chipping away and getting faster and faster and working towards the top guys, but knowing realistically you're not going to be there just yet. And then that was kind of the turning point where I felt, right, this is the time now where I'm working towards winning one. Which you're familiar with, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, just a nice place to be. It just felt like this is the reason why I go racing is to is to try and win basically yeah. is do what I can to win. So yeah, the motivation thing was, it felt very real. It was like, I'm not just training now to turn up or I'm not training now for a top 20. I'm trained to win. So I think the motivate, I was really motivated. And also I had that sticking point where I felt like I'd won an overall, but I hadn't won a race and I wanted to prove to people that I could win a race. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that so the motivation was was high as high as ever I would say, um, and the off season was good, but I really struggled for bike time. I really, really struggled with getting away. I think so with COVID and stuff. In, in during that winter, I just couldn't. I could ride in the UK, and as far as I could see, I kind of expected that I'd have a bit of time off, start training. And I was like, I don't need to ride the downer bike so much. I know how, I know the last time I was riding it, I was like the best I've ever ridden. Yeah. And I think when I did get on it, I had a bit of a shock ultimately. Okay. It's like, hmm, this is maybe not, or it took a little bit of time. Maybe um, riding at home and stuff felt quite good. But then ultimately when I got to a race, it was a bit of a shock that I wasn't actually where I thought I was going to be. And off the back of not having as much bike time as I maybe needed. Yeah, okay. um, obviously before the 2020 season like I said earlier I'd had the most bike time that I'd had in my whole career probably leaning into that season so I felt really comfortable on the downhill bike 
and then going into 2021 probably had the least okay. amount of bike time um but because i was kind of confident off the back of 2020 i figured that i'd just get back on it it'd be the same yeah yeah Your i've trained as high yeah, right yeah i've trained as hard so why why not and it just didn't work out like that and it just yeah there's another lesson really that it doesn't matter how fit and strong you are if you're breaking in the middle of a corner you know <laughs> you ain't gonna do very well so you, d- you put it down to being rusty yeah 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 and it took it took a little bit of time and um to kind of get over that and it was just such a big shock i mean we went back to leo gang for 2021 first round had the number one plate felt really good i'd done a little bit of riding but not like huge amounts but the bike hadn't changed an awful lot yeah so i was like oh, you know it'll be fine i'll I feel good, whatever. Felt like I rode okay. 25th. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that would have been a top five, like yeah. six months before. I'm like, what has gone on here? 25th. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was like, right, we need to go back to the drawing board here. Something's gone terribly wrong. And uh, I need to get my ass into gear. And it wasn't like I'd not been training or I just thought, nah, it's all right. I'm, I'm one of the best in the world now. It's all right. I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll pick it up in March. It'll be all right. It just, it wasn't like that at all. I, you know, I'd been working really hard all winter, but just not been able to ride in Europe on the yeah. downhill bike. I think riding as for as good as the bike parks are around here, like riding Langothlin, riding Revolution Bike Park, riding Dovey, it's not riding a World Cup track. And there's such a big difference between, and when you're, when you're at the level that we're at now, personally, I don't feel like riding in the UK has much benefit at all to okay. r- to race in World Cups. Yeah, I don't think at the top level. I think to a certain uh, to a certain point, it's great for bike time, feeling comfortable on your bike, and yeah, like I said, just get just having time in the seat. But then beyond that, for testing or you know, it's just not the same. You can't ride down like Revolution Bike Park when it's five degrees in the mud, in the bog, and expect to go to the like one of the rounds at the World Cup when it's 25 degrees and expect everything to feel the same. Yeah. Because it's just, the suspension doesn't feel the same. The tyres don't feel the same. Yeah, it just throws everything. It's just so, so different. Um, so for me, over the last couple of years, I've realised like, Riding in the UK is just not going to cut it for test for racing World Cups anymore. You need to get to Europe and ride bigger, longer tracks in better climate, just yeah. so everything works as it, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. properly. Basically. Yeah, I've seen a few of the guys already off to New Zealand. I think Laurie's there. Yeah, Bernard's flown out. Jackson's out there. Like a yeah. few people putting in laps on bigger hills in better climates. So. Yeah, that's it. And that's I think that's what you need. Like as I say, the bike parks are so good for what they are, but for but for training for World Cups, you need more, ultimately, yeah. 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 So you, like you say, your expectation's gone up. You're there for a win and you're getting 25th. But also <laughs> yeah. everyone around you and the media and everyone's expectation has gone up, right? You've had yeah. that season where you're taking the overall, you're on the number one plate. Yeah. Did you feel that the first round had the kind of the attention and the expectation from the sport in general, like changed? And was, it, was there a a pressure there because of that? Yeah, I think because in 2020, I was like this guy that was, 
everyone was like stoked for me because I was kind of this underdog and no one really expected me to do well. And then all of a sudden I'm doing well every week. And then I've just snatched the world, like the overall from like some, you know, some big names in the sport, whatever. And everyone was like, I really felt like, oh, everyone was really, really supportive of that and loved that story. And then it got to 2021. It was like, right, let's see this kid fail. <laughs> a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Did it you was feel kind of, that? A little bit. Yeah. Not really. <sighs> yeah, in a little way. Not not maybe so dramatically as that, but it was, I definitely felt pressure there. Yeah, yeah. Just to, from, I guess, from the media, from the sport as a whole and from myself, I didn't, I didn't want to be that person who had done really well one year, the next year just collapse and finish nowhere. Yeah. Um, I wanted that. I really was desperate for that 2020 year to be like a really good stepping stone to the rest of my career. And I wanted it to be a really, you know, a good starting point really. And I was just so excited to, because in that 2020 season, I was, I'd enjoyed my racing so much more than any other year. One, because I was competitive every weekend and it just, as I say, it was just coming to me easy. I was having good times with the team and yeah finally I was going there to race so I was just so excited for that 2021 season to be in that position I was just excited to spend you know a summer traveling these races and battling for wins and I had all these like thoughts of you know yeah just doing the world cup circuit and going from race to race and being on the podium and all that kind of stuff I was just so excited for that. And then when it kind of all come crushing down, crashing down on me and the first round Leo gang, and I was like, I need to reset here and kind of go again and, and, and make some quite big changes to get back up there. Um, yeah, it just hurt a little bit, Yeah, but, really. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I didn't feel like I'd done anything particularly wrong. I just never really got the opportunity to to ride as much as I wanted. And that's, you know, there was obviously bigger problems going on in the world. Um, but yeah, it did. I think that's definitely a contrib con contributing factor to how that season started, really. Yeah. And you were the only elite male on the team that season as well, right? Danny'd moved on to Cube in 21. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there was me, Jord, and Vera and Harry, right? Yeah, 2021. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, does that change things? Because there's like you're you're the number one rider, I guess. Before, yeah. like on paper, Danny was probably in yeah. that seat. Yeah. For now sure. it's you. Like, yeah. Does that add to the <laughs> the pressure that you're feeling? It was a little bit of a shift, yeah. And I felt like people were kind of would turn to me more and more for um, also like other riders on the team would turn to me for advice and stuff a little bit with whether it be like bike setup or just lines or whatever. I was kind of the guy to turn to with all of a sudden I was the one with the experience where I was 21 years old, you know, or 22 years old, um, kind of not finding my feet. You know, I, I, I've been in the, in the game a while. I know, what it's all about but ultimately I've not been racing World Cups for 10 years or yeah, anything yeah. like that so I was still relatively young I think with probably quite a mature head on my shoulders for my age but that being said um, 
yeah, people definitely did turn to me for kind of advice and stuff. And also um, staff and bike setup and stuff kind of shifted a little bit more towards what my preferences were. Okay. So changes in the bike, it was kind of my opinion was um, valued a bit higher, I guess, because... I remember when Danny joined the team, the bike changed a little bit as Danny joined to yeah. suit him a little bit more. But that's not to say it didn't suit me. It's just it made it easier for him to come from the team that he was on onto our team to make the bike fit him and mm-hmm. ha- and make it ride as he would like it to ride. Yeah. And then obviously when he left and I kind of filled that seat, naturally I I kind of filled that role as well. And I had a little bit more say in what happened in the team and the setup and whatever. Um, but honestly, I, I enjoyed that. I really, okay. I really enjoy that. I feel like, um, I do feel like I've earned it. And, um, I like to have like a, a good relationship and good connections with T with like the team at the races, the immediate team mechanics, um, team manager but then also the people at the factory and like I like to be able to influence design mm-hmm. and I feel like that's a really cool and privileged position to be in yeah for sure um, so yeah I I like I relish in the fact that, that that's kind of the the seat that I earned uh, but yeah it definitely did it did change because I'd always been kind of the the guy that was just learning and and finding his feet through through the ranks or through the team or first couple of years in elite. And then all of a sudden I was like the main guy, which yeah. was a bit of a shift, but yeah, I felt like I'd earned it to be honest. Yeah. Well, fair play. And it was a, a season of a lot of progress, right? Started mm. off 25th in Lear gang. And it was a, it was clearly a tough season, but you took a seventh place at world champs, which is probably still not quite where you want to be, but is a very good result. Yeah. Um, and then you were on, I think, for a podium at the final round in Snowshoe, but you had that front flat that sort of yeah. took you out of contention on that one. How did you approach getting back to the sharp end? Did you quite were you able to quickly identify what the issues were, and then like how did you work your way through the season and not, I guess, dig yourself into that downward spiral yeah. of uh, doom that can happen? Yeah, that's it. Well, um, the first thing was right. It's it's not gone as we wanted, but let's collectively team mechanics uh trainers everyone at, at like in my support network should we say everyone like grouped together and try and make every weekend better than the last and that was the goal from then uh-huh. the goals changed a little bit and it was like right i know i'm the same person with the same talent same two arms and legs <laughs> like i can be that guy i've just got a find a way of getting back there basically yeah so that's what the season turned into then and honestly when i finished it was it was tough all the way through and i was fighting it a bit through the season but as you say the results got better and better every week i felt and in the end i was back where i started where i should have started mm. if you know what i mean yeah yeah chasing podiums uh i was really unlucky in snowshoe to be honest and um yeah, I was back riding as I wanted to ride. Now I expected myself to ride at the beginning of the season. And I think that just came with bike time over the year, going to races, riding the bike more. Yeah. And just, yeah, it was just a big learning thing as well. I think it made me, as I said, it, it made me realise how much I need bike time. 
how much it helps me. Um, and yeah, it was just, I was quite proud of myself actually when I finished that season, although my race, like the results first half maybe weren't great. I was just proud of the fact that I managed to pick myself up every weekend, go to the next race and it'd be better. Yeah. And it'd be better. And then I got back to a place where I was happy with at the end of the year. And, um, yeah, I was just proud of the fact that I'd never, it's a long time to be not very happy with how your racing's going, like most of the season. And I never felt like I really got bogged down and really disappointed and never lost belief that it wasn't going to come right in the end. And um, it, I never found myself um, having like a really good result and then a really bad one. I kind of just got better and better and better every week. And I just, yeah, I was quite proud of like the consistency, although the consistency wasn't like consistently at the top or whatever. I just got better and better. And I was just proud of the fact that I didn't lose my head. I wasn't up and down. I didn't, I wasn't particularly emotional about it. I just plugged away every weekend and got better and better. And I think it was another season where, yeah, there was no like particularly great times, no like huge highs, no wins, but I felt like I learned a lot. And I think it, I knew that it was kind of, again, like a bit of a learning season in that I took a lot of lessons from it that I could apply later in my career to to help me be better, basically. Yeah. What do you think was key to not getting pulled down through that? A support network, definitely. Yeah. Because I think if I've been more on my own, then for sure it's easier to get wrapped up in your own thoughts and, and doubts and whatever. But uh, yeah, just close, clear communication between me, the team and trainers, coaches, whatever, and just... Yeah, just taking the positives from it every weekend and just the support from from Will and everyone at the races at the time. I never felt like I was under delivering okay. as the like a number one rider and it was never to I was never made to feel like I needed to be doing better. They were just totally um I don't want to say they were totally happy for me to be doing what I was doing because ultimately they want me to be at the top and that's clear. But the belief was always there and I could see that when I said I didn't have a good run, Will's been around me long enough that he knows when I'm riding myself and when I'm being myself around the pits and yeah. stuff. And that's great feedback and good conversations to have with him because he'll know, right, this weekend it's it's going to go well or this weekend I, I knew this morning, you you know you're riding well and I, I could see you riding like your old self again. That kind of thing is how it, towards the end of the season he would say those kind of things more and more. And it's just um, being with a good group of people that really know you and know what you need to to keep level-headed and keep moving forward, really. Nice. So yeah. what did you do differently then in that 21-22 off-season? I'm guessing bike time was a, a bit more of a focus. Yeah, bike and, time was definitely more of a focus, yeah. Yeah, and easier, I guess, because the world was in a different spot. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. It was much more easy to go riding I mean I was just saying yesterday it's the 5th of January today and on the 4th of January I flew to Portugal to ride so I'd done I think I did I must have done a week at the start of January I did a week again at the end of January and then I did a race I did another week of riding the end of February and a race in Taruca for a Portuguese cup and then what was that maybe March 
anyway, I'd done quite a bit, yeah. I'd done quite a bit of riding. I'd been to Europe three times, um, done a race, and then, yeah, I went to Lords after actually feeling like I'd ridden my bike plentiful amounts, which was just a nice place to be, really. Yeah. Definitely. And some slight changes to the team setup in 22. I think in 21, Harry was racing and helping Vero. Yeah. And then in 22, Will kind of brought him in in a more like assistant team manager role. Yeah. Um, how did that impact the support structure for you at the races? Well, in 2021, I felt like, um, obviously with Harry riding, was fantastic for Vero, but maybe... Like for me at the start of the year, it probably it probably started out as Harry would probably ride with me during the A practice and then we could kind of compare lines and stuff a little bit. And from one way or another, it just, that started happening less and less. Not through anyone's particular, particular fault. It's just very hard and it's very intense to kind of make that work. Yeah. And um, it was just quite inconsistent. And ultimately I'm on my own program in a way he's doing his own thing whilst trying to juggle for him. It was a very difficult situation because he's trying to juggle helping Vero, helping the team and trying to qualify. Yeah. And it's almost impossible to do that. You either. And I think as the season grew on, everyone and Harry included kind of realized it's got to be, um, you've got to be able to commit yourself to one or the other. And I don't think anyone was to like Harry would probably agree. He was, wasn't very particularly happy with like half ass in yeah, each job. You know what I mean? Badly. Because he yeah. does, if he wants to, if you like, it's like any of us, if you're going to go and race your bike, you want to go and race your bike and give your all. Yeah. And Harry couldn't really do that. But then also he couldn't support the team in the way like there was probably, he set out to yeah. in his best interest. So for the 2021 season, I guess everyone sat down and Harry agreed that it'd be best if he kind of took a step back from racing and helped Will out, extra set of hands around the pits, an extra guy on the hill. And I think from the feedback we had at the 2021, 2021 World Champs, which was Valdesol, I felt like his... Uh, he played such a big part in that race because it was, we had basically double the amount of people on the hill. We had Will, Will does a great job running up and down all weekend and showing lines and stuff. But then we also had Harry as well. And it made such a difference, I felt, at that race. And it was kind of like we had conversations at the end of the year. Well, if we could have that at every race, either bring someone in or whatever, then that would be ideal. And then obviously they had conversations between themselves and it was agreed that Harry would kind of do that for the 2022 season. Um, so yeah, that's how it came about. And uh, I think it worked much better, honestly. Yeah. How do you work with that like trackside team then? what What's the like set up to get the most out of the people that are on the hill for you? So we have, so in the 2022 season, there was two, there was Will and Harry. So they'd be at separate places because no point in being at the same place. Um, when you track walk, there's usually three, at least three or four places where there's obvious line choice, where there's going to be a couple of options. Mm -hmm. But also I really try and focus on the places that you don't 
you won't necessarily think about. Okay. Because I feel like if there's, say, a rock garden and there's three options, by the end of the weekend, 95% of the top guys are on one line. Yeah, it gets solved. Yeah. Yeah. So what are they doing on the rest of the track? So I think people overlook that a little bit. Okay. They will go to the main places where it's obvious where there's line choice. But it's also the little sneaky bits that you don't see on the camera that people are doing that makes the difference. Yeah. And that's where having two people helps hugely because can literally have someone walk down the track and watch it all. Or you just have, you know, twice as many eyes on it or whatever. And it just helps. Um, also, for me, a huge point, I probably, I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll go into this in more detail later, but um, Harry made such he had such an impact on when I won the race in Leo gang. Mm-hmm. And maybe the result would have been different without him because which is quite a bold statement, but I say this because before the race, um, literally I was going up for my run and we made a plan in the morning. We knew the weather was going to be quite warm and dry and it was going to dry the track out. So we made a call in the morning. Harry was going to go down the side of the track. Literally, as as soon as 25 minutes before my run yeah. and take pictures of everything. Okay. So I could really see what I was dealing with. Interesting. Because it was changing that fast. Yeah. He needed to give me information as close to my race run as possible, which you would never normally do because normally you're like kind of in the zone, you're doing your warm up. But on this occasion, because the track was changing so quickly, it was more important to be right up to speed with what was coming or you could plan for, you know, you just needed to be able to see what the track was like, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. And because the track was so, like, the top half was so different to the bottom half, tyre choice was going to maybe come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, So I said, like, once obviously we knew the race run time, he was going to go up the lift before me, walk down the track and take pictures and just keep sending me feedback all the way. So that's basically what he did literally up until about 15 minutes before the final run. I was just sat there and I just had WhatsApp message after WhatsApp <laughs> message, all the different corners, straights, everything all the way down. So I knew exactly what I was dealing with. Yeah. Um. So then I, there was no second guessing with tire, like, tire choice or um and i knew what the woods were like i knew how much they'd i knew if there was any holes i knew if it had got if it had dried up or whatever lines had changed whatever so i i knew all that before i set off yeah so there was no second guessing there was no or just play it safe in case i knew exactly what i was dealing with um and without having someone like harry to be able to do that like an, an extra member of staff to do that yeah maybe it would have been different. Um, so yeah, I, I made quite bold. I made quite a bold uh, choice to run dry tires at that okay. race. Obviously we'd raced or we'd ridden all weekend with uh, like spikes, mud tires. And then as I say, like 15 minutes before the final, I was like, looked across to you and I said, put the dries in. <laughs> going for it. <laughs> I'd had a good qualifying. I think I was top three in qualifying. And I thought, I'm in a position here to have a stab at winning it. So why not yeah. just make the choice and go for it? Cause this is why we're here now to, to win. And if it, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I'm trying to turn up every week 
and trying to win them. So I made the call, quite a bold call at the time, but I was confident with it. And then, yeah, just committed as normal. Was that your first run of the week on dry tyres? Yeah, and it had been so wet and so boggy and then it was dry and fast. I didn't change a click on the bike, not a click. Interesting. Yeah, and people, like, even myself at times, like like I was saying before, finesse with the settings and you're left and right with the settings up and down. (laughs) And when it comes down to it, it did make a difference to me. It didn't make a difference. I, there's no point in being like, it's a, it's always the same. I think if you ask 90% of people in the World Cup paddock, oh, what do you do to your bike when it rains at a race? Just put wet tyres in. Okay. I don't think many people change it. I, I mean, I don't. You yeah. can't feel what's going on. So you just put my tyres in and ride it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think people really change the setup much for, yeah. for wet conditions. They just put mud tyres in. You wouldn't like soften... Or back off compression because you're not hitting stuff quite as hard. No, or, no, not really. So were you not in the heat of a race? I don't think you would. Would you normally like? Would you normally ramp up settings throughout the weekend as you get faster, or not? Do you tend to start and finish on the same setting? No. Well, me and my mechanic joke about this because there's like a circle that you go in. So you'll finish one weekend, and it might be quite stiff. Yeah, because you got up to race speed. The bike's quite stiff. And then you'll start the next track and you'll say, Ewan, this is way too stiff. Like, <laughs> I can't ride it. It's horrible. It feels so harsh. It feels harsh. Take a bit of whatever out of it. So you do. And then you start going faster and it comes back on. And it's like, oh, it's a bit <laughs> soft now, Ewan. And then you... St- so I recognise that this is the pattern that I think the majority of people go in. Yeah. And I've been doing it long enough that I know that's going to happen now. Yeah. So I try and just keep it as it is. So you keep it in the harsher setting and, yeah, and, and accept d- that you're going to ride into that setting. Exactly, and just yeah. let it ride in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, as, as I say, it does take a little bit of time, but I do definitely try and keep it more, yeah, more like a race bike Interesting. than just, yeah, a so bit how, less compliant. So you know how I mean. close were the settings that you ended up racing at Leergang yeah. to what you ended up? with a podium run at Fort William, which was the previous race, right? Exactly the same. Interesting. Exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because we would have gone from race run at Fort William, then gone to Leogang where it was probably muddy straight away. Yeah. So we probably just said, leave it alone. Just put spikes in it, leave it alone. And I'll just get a feel for what the track's doing. And then you're more worried about keeping your feet on and staying upright than what <laughs> what the yeah, rebound yeah. speedy of fork is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we probably just left it alone. And then when it dried out, just put dry tyres in, left it alone again. Do you think that helped then? Because you'd, you'd been running other than the tyre change, but then you know the tyres pretty well anyway, right? Yeah. Um, especially the dries, because that's what you're going to be on the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Do you think it helped that you were on a bike that was set up basically for the race run that as it happened to be, whereas most other people had probably come from a much softer setting and were worrying about where to put the bike for that race run? Maybe, yeah. Um, maybe, but I, I'd be interested if you asked people that where they were at. I would say a lot of them would probably do the same similar thing to me. Okay. I, w- I would guess that. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's people that do different things and have different processes, but I would say 
the majority kind of keep it quite similar. Or they like to, I think, generally people like to find a, quite a good base. Yeah. Which is very close to a race setting, but maybe not quite. So um, that's usually a good starting point for people. I've definitely done that in the past where I felt really comfortable with my bike and it's like 85% of the way there um, for a race run. So you kind of keep it there and then go off in any direction depending on the track and yeah. the conditions and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say either people are either in the same position or, as me or maybe racing with like their kind of base setup that they would kind of turn up to any World Cup with the same setup, yeah, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, always start from the same position yeah, that you kind yeah. of worked out in off-season or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on then, let's talk, talk us through how how that kind of race run came together your first ever elite world cup win yeah standing on the podium ahead of danny amory angel and andreas yeah that's a pretty stacked podium it's a pretty nice yeah. place to be yeah yeah absolutely mega i mean um already it feels like quite a long time ago feels like quite a lot's happened since then but um yeah it was just a, a mega day it's just one of them things where just the afternoon it all just kind of clicked into place it's one of them things it just happens from time to time. Like I was saying, there's obviously contributing, contributing factors. Like we had a bit more information with Harry and I just felt comfortable on the track. I had a good qualifier. So I was, I knew I was riding the track well um, and it dried up a little bit and I'm more confident in, I would say in the dry than the wet. Although I do well, I have done well in the wet. Mm hmm. I just enjoy the race weekend much more in the dry, which probably I'm speak for a lot of people when I say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just so much easier. Um, so I was quite happy to see the sun and yeah, to be racing in dry conditions or drying conditions at least. It does make it challenging because you never really know where you're at. Um, but obviously, like I said, I knew as close as I was going to what the track was going to look like when I got to it, yeah. um, which is which is a big piece, I think. And um, yeah, as I said, um, I made quite a big choice to go with the dry tyres and it was the right one. I never really felt like I needed any more in the woods or anything. Yeah. Um, so I was glad I went with that. And the run was, the run was pretty good to be fair. It was just such a shock because I remember speaking to people in the finish after the race as well about how fast the track felt compared to how we'd ridden it, like especially the motorway section. I remember me and Danny were both saying like there's a bridge jump about halfway along and we both say we completely went to flat on it just because <laughs> you, you're not tuned in to how much you need to like maybe break or scrub it or, you know, squash your jump as much because you've just been riding it in the mud and yeah. it's been hard to get over for a start. Um, so it just, it did feel a bit like a bit ragged, the run, because it was so, because the conditions are so different and you're just pushing and you're not used to the speed and the speed that things are coming at you because you, yeah, you're just not in tune with it because you've been riding so much slower all weekend. Yeah. So it did feel a bit hectic the race run, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I made any particular mistakes. I had, yeah, maybe one or two bits that were a bit sketchy. Like I remember I, there was like a big grass rut into the woods, and I come round it quite quick jumped into the woods, landed back wheel right on the big chonging route. <laughs> I went broadside, literally banged the frame off the like bump stops. <laughs> and 
it was one of them where you're like, I was at full lock thinking, yeah, this is it. I've gone, I'm going down, I'm going down. <laughs> and then just rode out of it. And it, yeah, I had a couple of moments like that. I had one a bit further down as well where I went off a drop and I was going, I thought it was, there was like a little hole and then like a, yeah, and it went down again kind of thing. And uh, obviously in the rain, you've just been plopping off this drop into like this hole and then riding on. And because I was going so much faster, I thought I was going to land in the hole, but I an- ended up landing on this massive bump a bit further on, on the front wheel, whilst <laughs> the back end kicked me up the ass because I'm going much faster than I thought. So that's what I mean. It was just a bit hectic. Yeah. There was a couple of moments that were a bit shady, but... Um, Overall, it, I was just really happy. And to be honest, I got through the woods with my feet on. And that was, uh, that's a, yeah, that's quite a big, that's quite a big uh, achievement, really, to get through Lear Gang Woods with your feet on. Yeah, in Especially those conditions. In, the, in those yeah. conditions, yeah. So I was, um, yeah, I was happy. I was just, I remember pedaling for that, like, um, it's like the double, like, I can't remember what they call it now. It was like a double out of the woods, a big wooden takeoff oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like pedaling for that and just thinking, "Oh, thank God, I got through that." <laughs> I thinking I must be on, I must be on a good one, but I never knew that it was that good. And I thought, right, I'll just push on to the finish now. Just because I got through the woods doesn't mean it's over. Kind of push on through that last little bit, get to the finish, and then went across the line. Obviously, when it uh, went into the lead at that point, and. Uh, I was just so happy to have a good result because at that point, obviously, I didn't know how good it was going to get. Yeah, and I qualified third, and I knew third was going to be um, third at worst kind of thing. Yeah, so I was like, "Oh, it's fantastic! I'm just so happy to be back on the podium. Job done. Tick the box. Mega! Like, just stoked with that." Um, because I'd come from, I think, tenth at Lords, fifth at Fort William, back to back podiums. Happy yeah. days. Done. Done the job. Um, so I was just so stoked with that, sat on the podium, chatted to the boys a bit. Finn came down and he was a bit off. I think he come through, yeah, maybe like on the edge of the podium at that time, bit behind me. And I thought, oh, I'm second here. <laughs> and then it was all of a sudden, it was like, oh, there's one left. It just seemed to happen so quick. All of a sudden I was like, yeah, I'm so stoked to be on the podium. Within five minutes, I'm like, oh my God, I could win here. <laughs> And it was just like, I had no time to think about it at all. And then um, obviously Benoit was riding amazingly well. And uh, he was up uh, going into the woods. And I remember Danny actually said to me, he said, I've been sat here a little while and it doesn't matter how well they're doing before we get into woods. This is where it's won or lost. Yeah. And um, at that point, where it was a bit different from 2020, where I was kind of happy to win or lose, whatever. At that point, I was sat there thinking, oh, I think I deserve to win one now. <laughs> I want this. Like, I really want to win yeah. this now. And um, yes, got got a bit nervous and whatever. And then he was riding well, to be fair. And he made one little mistake and then another little mistake. And then he went down and yeah, it was just a bit of a, it was just a mad sort of time it was just like that real realization that you've done it um and then obviously yeah we kind of waited until he got to the bottom make sure he was all right and then yeah everyone just came over just spraying water in my face <laughs> jumping my parents my mum actually floored a security guard getting over to me <laughs> good effort <laughs> yeah she was like trying to get through the barriers and uh 
the security guy was like, no, no, you can't come in here, you can't go in. And she was like, that's my son. <laughs> Get out of the way. That's Smashed amazing. him out of the way, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was just absolutely mental. And to have my parents there was just amazing. I think my mum has like made a bit of a running joke over the last few years that every time I've done well, she's not been there. Okay. It's just my old man's been there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, to have them both there was, was pretty special. And they're in the finish arena as well. And just all the team and like, I think everyone was quite emotional because it had been quite a, a long time coming. Um, and, you know, immediate, you know, Will and that and Ewan, they've been there for, for quite a long time and seen me through, oh, it's like, you know, same for everyone really, but you go through highs and lows and yeah. the sport's not easy. And I feel like they both would agree and to say that I probably deserve to win one before I did. And uh, to just finally get it done, I felt like it was just such a huge monkey off my back. Um, and yeah, it was just such a, just such a great day, mate. Just such a great day. I'm just, yeah, just really grateful that, uh, that I've managed to win one, you know? Yeah. And um, even it, I think it's just been a big goal of mine f for many, many years. Um, and to win an overall was fantastic. Um, but honestly, winning a World Cup was was better and I think that's because the whole COVID thing and that season was kind of put down a little bit and there was less rounds and it wasn't viewed the same and I don't know I just I just feel like when there was kind of like when I won the overall it was fantastic and I knew how, what great achievement it was but I felt like other people globally didn't realise yeah, I think that's fair. I think because it was so quick, it was so yeah. condensed that the yeah. story didn't build. Like no. normally you've got this incredible story over the year that like shapes and changes and you get really invested in the characters. Yeah, yeah. But as a fan, it didn't have that same magnitude no, because no. it was all over in like three weeks or something. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's an amazing achievement as an athlete, but I don't think it registered no. necessarily with mountain biking as a, as whole. a sport in no. the same way that, a, a regular season does for some reason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I could really, I did really feel that after a little, after a little while. Um, and not to say it, it, I felt like it didn't happen, but it, I definitely felt like I didn't have the same, um, don't know how to explain it, but I guess I felt like I didn't make as a uh, big an impact as I, thought it might yeah winning fair. overall yeah and then and it was all you know and people would say people would always refer to or they still do prefer refer to that 2020 seasons like oh that short season or oh, that whatever in quite a negative light of someone that i had so much success there feels a bit raw still yeah. it almost feels like well yeah i know it was a short season but all the best riders were there and there was four races i know there's normally twice as many but those, you know, the best riders in the world were there for those four races. It's not like none of them turned up. Yeah. You, you know, they were all yeah. there. And I was the best man over those four races. Oh, yeah, but he didn't win one. Well, it's just like, I just felt a bit like, mm, yeah, righto. But now I have won one. Yeah. And you can't, I don't know. Can't argue with that. You can't right? argue with yeah, it. It's yeah. plain black and white. Yeah. And I'm just like, I felt like even after winning the overall, which as 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 amazing as 
like winning an overall is um, and winning world champs, I just felt like um, I still had to prove myself after winning it. I think it was just because it was in that year and it was just, yeah. like you say, it was just a bit of a, a bit of a weird time for everyone and the season as it was and whatever. I just felt like I didn't have as much of a, yeah, as an impact as I probably would have liked. Um, and yeah, I felt like I still kind of had to, not that people write it off, but kind of, you know, uh, I still feel like the underdog very much. Yeah. Even though I've won an overall now and won a World Cup, I still, I still feel like, um, yeah, I'm not. I feel like I'm one of those guys people look over quite a lot. Do you be, do you begrudge that a bit? Yeah, as I as I'm like, as I'm going in, as I'm like going through, as I've been in the sport longer and longer. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because sometimes I think, well. Like I've achieved quite a lot, um, which is great. And I don't really, it sounds like I'm very contradictory. What I'm saying is I don't look for, I don't look for people to like brown nose me and tell me how amazing I am. I'm not after that, but I'm just after a bit of respect. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. Just feel like, yeah, I maybe don't, I just get looked over a little bit. And I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's in my character, my personality. Maybe I'm quite quiet, and I'm not. I'm not controversial. I never really say anything <laughs> in interviews that like gets people's backs up. Yeah, or yeah. I don't. I try not to upset anybody. I just. I'm there because I love bike racing, and that's what I've always wanted to do. It's like my dream job to do it, and I'm in a very privileged position where I get paid to race my bike. And uh, I just love being there and yeah, and I'm there to, to, you know, race my bike and do well and win races. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm there for. But that being said, sometimes you feel like you would like to get noticed for your achievements a That's little bit fair. more than I maybe am. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see over the next few years, who knows? Yeah, there's yeah. plenty to go at. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, so yeah, you demonstrated it to yourself and to everyone else that you can win one of these things, which is awesome. Yeah, it's also really hard to go and win again, right? To to yeah. kind of to back that up. The only way is to either equal it or do worse. Yeah. Like, what was the self talk for you after that win coming into Lenzhide? Um, I knew it was gonna. It was obviously hard to win one. Incredibly hard. It took years, but um probably gonna be twice as hard to win another one especially back to back I knew I'd obviously had confidence um after winning but really I was just after it was one of them things to to set you obviously your goals changed a little bit then because I'd managed to win one and the whole year we'd set out to win one ever since I won the overall every race you go to the goal is to win ultimately um and 2022, I felt like I was in a position to actually turn up and win one after having a bit of a tricky time 2021, like we discussed. So then after actually getting that goal and and moving forward, um, the goal was not win another one, I don't think. It was just, I'm really happy with what I've achieved. Let's be consistent. Let's yeah. not just fall off the face of the earth now with the next few Let's just stay consistent. Uh, I think I'd gone right up in the overall. I was really, well, not really close. I mean, Amory was out in front, but I think best of the rest or, mm -hmm. you know, at least up there. Um, 
and yeah, just just trying to tick away with staying consistent in the top five. I think that was that was the goal from there. Um, I felt like I was in a good place to find a bit of consistency because I'd come from 10th in Lords, 5th in Fort William, winning Leo Gang. I was definitely building consistently and building mo- uh, momentum through the season. So from then it was just about ticking the races off, being competitive at every venue, every track and seeing where that got us at the end of the year, basically. Yeah. So how did 6th at Lenzerheide feel? Because the margins there are so fine, right? You were on yeah. point something of a second and you're however many places back but yeah it was um i was no, it was funny because i before if i got sixth at fort william i probably would have been pretty happy but sixth at Lenzerheide, i was like i said to will straight after the race i was like i've never been so pissed off for sixth place in my One life place off a podium yeah. as well like. yeah and um to get a world cup top 10 is a big achievement yeah. and it's so hard to get in the top 10 especially in lens high where they've been so tight um, I've never been a huge fan of Lenzerheide. I've never really done amazingly well there. I've had a very up and down time there, I would say. Um, so I, I didn't have like really high hopes for like another win or whatever, but I definitely knew I'd be in, in the shout for another decent one. Yeah. So to just miss out on the podium was a bit gutting. Um, but if you think of some of the harder times over the last couple of years, I'd take a sit, I'd bite your hand off for a sixth place. So you got to be pretty happy with that. And like Will was saying, I was, I was riding really well. I was riding, I was attacking and committing stuff. I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. Just fraction slow, basically. And, uh, I took that and on to the next one. Yeah. Val Nord, third at the first split. So definitely on the pace. Yeah. But then what happened? I couldn't Absolute quite work out explosion. that crash. Yeah. yeah. It was a big, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, I struggled quite a lot in Valnord. I think because it was like riding on the moon. And <laughs> in I just, many ways. I yeah. just never ridden anything like that. Well, at least not for a long time. It took me quite a, quite a while to get into it. Um, new track as well. So maybe, it, maybe we don't often get new, completely new tracks. So maybe that was a, maybe that was a contributing factor. I don't know. But um, yeah, took a bit of time. Struggled to get into it, to be honest, a little bit. And then by the race run, uh, I'd had a good morning practice and I thought, right, I'll just, I'm just going to commit in the race run. I think it'll all come together. I felt more confident. Um, I felt like I was building confidence every day. And the last day I really, I was, I felt pretty good. And I thought I could, yeah, do half decent again. Uh, so that was it really. Um, so off from the gate honestly the top section felt great I thought oh I'm, I'm linking I could just tell on myself I was riding it so much better yeah and um, yeah literally it was like a it was a fast left into a, a right behind a tree which you would probably which you can see from the footage but what you can't see behind the tree on the floor off there's like there's a drop and I remember there was like I don't know how wide the takeoff was, but not very wide, maybe six inches or something or 10 inches. But then on either edge, there was a bit of a step, like a bit of a lip on either edge. And in the middle, it was flat. So you could just roll off it, no problem. But on the left and the right, there was a bit of a lip. And basically I was just carrying a little bit more speed than I had before. So, and it's, as you go off the drop, you're like turning right already. So the bike was at a bit of lean angle. 
as I went off the drop, the left, uh, the back wheel slipped and hit the left lip, uh, literally yeah, okay. just as I took off. And it just went broad. It just kicked me completely broadside in the air. And that's where you see like my leg come off to try and counter it. Um, yeah, and I was just like flying through the air. It just literally just kicked my bike up it, like a sail. And I was just flying with it in like a big tabletop <laughs> with my leg hanging off. And uh, I fell quite far to be fair, but it was just, it was so dusty and so powdery that I didn't have a mark on me. No Not way. Not a mark. That was a huge crash. It was huge, yeah. yeah Not, fast as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Not a mark. I literally landed because I was a bit worried when I was in the air because I had my leg off and I was like, oh, I've seen this go wrong a few times. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think as I put my foot down, it just slipped from under me and I just went down in like this big pile of dust. It took ages for me to be able to see. And I couldn't find the bike, so I got up and it was just a cloud of dust. <laughs> and I started walking the wrong way, turning around, picked it up, uh, maybe not the levers back, whatever. I couldn't see from my goggles at all. There's so much dust on the inside of my goggles. Um, got back going, just rolled down from there. Um, but yeah, not not a mark on me, but I was just I was just gutted because I felt like I had battled a bit in the weekend to get... Um, to feel comfortable yeah and it's the first time i felt comfortable and immediately overstepped the mark so um i was just a bit gutted really but uh at that point i thought there's more races to come i i think i'd only dropped two spots in the overall uh -huh. so as far as uh as bad days go not too bad not i was uninjured and, and yeah. like unhealthy and that was the biggest thing really for such a big crash so yeah all in all not too bad nice and then on to snowshoe yeah. which was a difficult race for all given the conditions. Yeah, terrible, um, wasn't it? And didn't go your way. No. Uh, talk us through what actually happened. Uh, well, it was in the qualifying run where when the crash happened, um, the whole run was just a bit messy, really. I was trying to override it a little bit. I think maybe I just felt like I could do well. It was kind of British muddy conditions. I was yeah. keen to just bit of elbow grease and get on with it type of thing. There was a lot of moaning and people struggling at that race. And the just the vibe was quite negative, I felt, just among the riders and uh, like around the track conditions and whatever. And it was difficult, don't get me wrong. And no one really likes to struggle that much. <laughs> but um, I was trying to, I was ready to stay positive and try and capitalise on yeah. it, really. And... Uh, just overrode in a couple of sections and it was that slippy that if you make like if you stand yourself up in a rut you're kind of done for really it's very difficult to kind of get going and cat and keep your momentum going yeah, and then yeah. there's you got mud everywhere all over your shoes and you can't clip in and it's just a bit of a mess and it quickly turned like that for me i got through the top section into the first bit of rocks rode okay made a couple of mistakes and then i was on a in a bit of a battle then um and was just just basically regrouping. I remember just like tipping down that steep bit, getting going down uh, it's like towards the last like main rocky bit of the track. Yeah. Basically, I'd gone under the gondola or under that lift, um, and it was just down there. Basically, I just hit a left. I rode, wanted to go up onto this bank, and as I turned up onto the bank, just lost the front. And I went plowing into kind of into the bank, but it was just all jagged rocks. Oh man! Um, 
so I'm not sure what I hit my knee on, but I imagine it was an, a rock and I just, I, I had hold of the handlebars and I just punched, punched the bank quite hard as well. So I ended up ragdolling a little bit, stood back up. The bike was just on, just on the floor next to me. So I, I remember like hobbling a bit like, oh, I've just got a dead leg, just dead leg myself with all the adrenaline stuff, picked the bike up, sat on it and the bars had snapped. Because I think they'd gone into a rock like yeah. that and just got all like, or just probably went in between two rocks and had nowhere to go. And yeah. that was it. Probably for the best, to be fair. Yeah. It saved you riding down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically couldn't couldn't start again. So, so jumped off. But then I remember thinking, oh, my hands really, or my finger particularly is quite sore. And I looked at it and the glove was all red on the end and all ragged on the end. And I was like, oh. And I looked at the bar, the carbon bars, and it was all serrated where it had broken. Yeah. And remember straight away thinking, oh my God, I've cut my finger on the on the end of the handlebar. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that is going to be a right mess. I can't take my glove off now because I'm nowhere near the bottom of the hill. And if I see that I'm missing the end of my finger, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> so... um that was the main concern, honestly, was okay. my finger because um, it was just hissing with blood at the end of my glove. And it was running like when I was walking, it was down the side of my trousers and dripping on the floor and oh. stuff. And I was I was just wanted to get to the bottom and get someone to have a look at it. because, yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to look at it myself. I didn't I couldn't pluck up the courage to take the glove off myself. I was like, I just need to get to the bottom and sort this out, whatever has happened in there. Um, so I remember um, Dan Bladen, one of the mechanics from Trek, yeah. he was there. And by that point, qualifying had finished. There's a couple of riders had gone past and it had finished. So he walked me down and I remember saying, oh, I've got a hell of a dead leg. Like and my knee's quite sore. Um, and from snowshoe from where i crashed it must be the hardest place to go off the hill it was just i mean the track is the smoothest part of the woods <laughs> on the side is a mission to get down the side of the track there's no fire road or anything for quite a while um so i was just making my way really slowly down to the finish and he uh gave someone at the bottom a call got will to run up will run up to meet me on this fire road before you like drop out of the woods at the bottom yeah and there was a, a like a medics guy there with a buggy and I, I basically got down there and as I was walking there it was probably like a 10 minute walk and um 10 maybe 15 minutes and as I was getting closer and closer my leg was just I was limping more and more and more and I I didn't there was a couple of trees I had to climb over and all sorts and I was struggling more and more um and I got to the bottom there and I saw the buggy and I said oh mate can you just give me a lift to the bottom because I've had a crash I'm, I'm okay but my knees just sore and I, I just like to get to the bottom because you get the chairlift back up to yeah. the pits and I, a couple of years ago I actually broke my hand in snowshoe so I knew there was a medical centre at the top Okay. so I was like I'll just head there to get this finger sorted anyway so I get to the bottom and um, they're wanting to basically uh, take my glove off there and have a look at it in the finish arena. And it was literally right next to the queue for everyone getting on the chairlift. So I was literally sat. They just pulled out this plastic chair and I sat on this plastic chair and there was all the crowd just stood around me um, waiting basically in queue, in a queue to get on the chairlift. And I remember just sitting down and the adrenaline wore off and I, Will said I just went 
white and took my glove off and it was all like cut on the end um luckily honestly not as bad as i thought it was going to be yeah but it was pretty mashed up on the end and uh just made me feel so sick but every time i've broken something i've also felt sick okay so it kind of masked the fact that i'd broken something yeah um i thought it was just because i you know i got a pretty deep cut and it yeah whatever so then i got on the chairlift went up to the medical center they cleaned it all out give me like um like an ultrasound it was on the on my finger and they were like yeah we think you've um may have broken your finger. And I was like, oh, my hand's a bit sore because I punched this and it was a bit swollen. Yeah. I punched the bank and they give me uh, like an x-ray on that as well. And they said, yeah, we think you've broken your hand as well. So they put me in this big cast. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not racing anymore. Um, and then I said, oh, just before I, just before I leave, can you just check my knee? Because my knee's a bit sore and I just want to make sure it's all good. So I took it off. Uh, I took my knee pad off and my knee just immediately swelled like swelled to the size the knee pad was and I was like oh I've not seen it like that before that's not great but I'd walked in there yeah like all hobbled in there not too bad like I never expected it to be as bad as it was and then they give me like an ultrasound they were like yeah we think you've broken your kneecap and I was like there's no way (laughs) there's no way I've broken my kneecap I didn't expect it to feel like this um and then so that was the next thing then I had this big thing on my leg like a big brace on my leg, set of crutches. But I couldn't use the crutches because I had a cast on my hand. <laughs> so oh, it was just a mission, absolute mission. And then, so that's that was me then. And the worst bit was obviously from Snowshoe back to Washington Airport. It's like a four-hour drive. Yeah. And I remember I was just in the back, in the middle seat with my leg up between the two front seats. And I was just in that much pain after, well, the next day that uh, we had to stop. After about two hours, we had to stop every half an hour probably just for me to have like a breather. And it was quite warm and humid and it was just, it was brutal. And then I got to the airport and luckily I got um, basically support there. So I go through on a wheelchair and then flew home. Uh, I hope they upgraded you. I was, I had an exit row. So Uh, I had a lot of leg room. So it was all right. So Ewan just had like a big roll on uh hand luggage thing so yeah. i just propped that under my leg uh, nice. and i just sat there with it up which was pretty good to be fair and then obviously when i got home went through all the scans and everything it turns out i'd broken my so i broke the kneecap in in three it was three cracks on it but only one of them went to the edge so nothing okay. was deplay uh displaced yeah which was good and it was basically straight from the middle so it's like yeah i just had a really hard impact in the middle of the kneecap and it just kind of split like a Y shape uh-huh. and only like the tail of the Y had gone okay. right to the bottom. So nothing was displaced, which was a big thing. So yeah. I didn't need any surgery, which was a, uh, that was a big win, but I'd, I'd hit my knee that hard um, that behind the knee, I had a hematoma. So in the knee joint itself yeah. I had a hematoma and then the base of my, I managed to, bruise i had bone bruising on the base of my femur and the tip on on both my tib and fib good effort yeah so i've done wow. a fairly good job yeah of it. through a pad as well through right? a pad yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah there's like obviously you've had a quite a 
big trauma here. You're lucky to not have to have surgery or anything. And then I went in after a couple of weeks to get the hematoma drained, which was pretty unpleasant. They just basically stick a big needle in behind your kneecap and drain all the fluid out. Oh, yeah. I bet was, it felt good when it was out though, right? Yeah, the swelling came down yeah. quite a lot. And it would just allow me to move it a lot more. Yeah. Um, and then it was just a lot of rest, basically, for a couple of couple of months i mean immediately it was kind of like i can't remember how many weeks it was but it was is it on the cars to get back for worlds type of thing that was the first thing yeah do everything you can for the first couple of weeks just find out what the crack is um to try and get back for worlds so i did everything i could for a couple of weeks went to see a physio in sheffield um, which is where Phil, my coach, is based. Yeah. So I went to see him. And my S&C coach is also based in Sheffield. So I went to see them uh, just to spend a bit of time, try and do some rehab stuff in the gym with Jordan, spent three days in Sheffield and had three days of physio, like in the evenings. And um, the physio said, just to make sure, we, we know you've had multiple x-rays on it, but let's have an MRI and just see, then we know exactly what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And then we can make a call on worlds on your physio moving forward and everything. Um, so then I had that MRI and just had like a consultancy with a good, like a good knee specialist basically works in my professional sport. Yeah. And, um, he was really, really good and re obviously really incredibly knowledgeable about it and give me an idea with, uh, recovery time and everything. And he, he said, basically you're very, very lucky with how the injury's gone. Um, there's a little bit of damage like to the cartilage behind, which can flare up and cause you it like, and cause you like reoccurring injuries if you don't give it time and all uh -huh. the rest of it. So from that, it was like, right, there's bigger issues here than getting back for world champs this year. Yeah. There's not, there's, there's no need to compromise my long-term health for it. Um, and realistically, there was no way. Like from where I was at world champs weekend, there was no way I would have ridden a bike. No, yeah. absolutely no way. Fair. I mean, I couldn't even, I wouldn't have even been able to do track walk because I wouldn't have been able to walk downhill. Yeah. Um, and it's just been... It's been a recovery of like ups and downs. I'm lucky to not have to not have had to have surgery, which is which was great. But the recovery has been pretty frustrating at times, to be honest. Uh, just really long. It's, yeah. I've never I've had injuries in the past where okay, I've broken wrists, broken hands, um, ribs, uh, things like that. But they've all been relatively simple recoveries you basically you're in a pot for six weeks yeah. you do a bit of physio after and you're back to go again but this time obviously because i couldn't walk for so long my left leg was like really skinny lost all muscle mass um so that's taken a long long time to get back and obviously the tendons were like super weak as well and it's just such an important joint your knee and it's just this it affects so much yeah uh, i don't think you really appreciate anything until you're injured um so yeah it just took it's just taken a long long time and i i got back on the bike recently and i'm still doing quite a lot of physio stuff with it just to to build my leg stronger again it's not um it's it's quite strong compared to the right one now uh -huh. but it's not as big 
It's okay. definitely not as interesting. It's definitely not got the muscle mass back yet. Yeah. Um, but riding wise, when I'm riding the mountain bike, I can't feel it at all. Good. It doesn't feel like I've yeah ever really hurt it. Uh, I don't really get any. I don't get any pain when I'm riding. Um, which is the main thing. The only thing at the moment that makes it a bit sore is some gym stuff. Okay. So if I'm doing like specific gym stuff on it, I'm yeah. working it quite hard, then it gets sore. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's just going to be an ongoing thing. I think it was just quite a big injury. And I speaking to a lot of people, like uh, sports people as well, it just takes a long time. Yeah, um, big trauma, right? Yeah, big trauma. And I think knees are just particularly sensitive so if you yeah. you know if you do hurt it a little bit they tend to swell quite easily and yeah just kind of managing that at the moment but in terms of training wise i've been back it was a bit odd because i didn't really have i had an off season of sorts like i had a lot of recovery and resting and stuff to start with and then i wanted to get back to train as soon as possible because what i didn't want to do is have all that rest and recovery and then when i was back to been able to walk or run or ride to then take an off season. Yeah. Cause I felt like by the time I did start training again, after all of that, I would have had so much time off. They were just made training so difficult. Cause uh -huh. I would have been so out of shape and all the rest of it. So I tried to, so to start with, I was obviously just doing physio stuff. Um, and then slowly building up with weight training and then more and more riding, uh, then off road riding and stuff. And, and I got myself back to a point where I was actually fit again and I was moving well and um, all the rest of it. And then I took a break Yeah. Um, and I had me and my girlfriend went to Rome for a week, uh, just had holidays and then just chilling at home really and just, just riding, but with no real structure. I'd felt like I'd, I'd really miss riding because I'd been two and a half, maybe three months without it. Yeah. So I did quite a lot of riding anyway, just socially and whatever, just with mates. Um, and then, yeah, I've got back to training the last however long. Um, and it's going really well. Went out to South Africa just before Christmas, which has been a bit of a tradition over the last three, four years. Mm -hmm. I've been every December just to do a bit of training there, just to escape the UK weather. It's just so much easier to train there. Like when, on a time of year where you don't particularly need the downhill bike and you just go and focus on getting fit and strong yeah just such a good place i mean especially from the uk there's no jet lag because there's only two hours different it's a 12 hour flight so you just fly through the night get there and you can ride the next day uh the food's good um the trails are good an xe bike and i always tend to go alongside the candel xe team because mm -hmm. uh phil my coach is like performance manager for their cross country team. So they run a camp every, at least every year there. Sometimes they go early in the year as well. And then I just tend to do my own thing around them. Uh -huh. um, so it's just good to spend a bit of time with, with Phil. And this year we actually flew uh, my SNC coach, Jordan out from Sheffield to come and train with me for a couple of weeks uh, nice. as well. So that was good just to spend a bit more time with him and yeah, he could just, it, it, it's just a bit more quality when the coach is there watching you do your stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think naturally you put a bit more in, into it in the sessions. It keeps your form yeah, strong and everything, so right? Just checking up on little things. Yeah. 
and uh, that that was that was really really good and just loads of seat time really just just getting fitter and stronger basically um, it's just a good block and you come back bef- then before Christmas and you can really just pull the handbrake up over Christmas <laughs> chill out enjoy Christmas day with the family and stuff and it's just just works really well for me I just really enjoy being out there and like in in December in the UK it's it's dark it's raining a lot of the time the trails are muddy and it's just you spend more time prepping and cleaning up than you yeah, do actually riding. For sure. And it just gets difficult, especially with the light and stuff. If I want to do two sessions in a day, it gets quite, you know, I start in the dark and then I'm washing the bike in the dark at the end of the day. And yeah. you can only do that for so long without getting burnt out. Uh, but when I'm, you know, when you're away, you fly out of bed at six o'clock in the morning because it's sunny and it's warm. You put shorts and a t-shirt on, go for a bike ride. And it's almost like, you know, you can train in the morning and then train in the in the like at late afternoon evening. It's almost like having two days. Yeah. Compared to the UK, um, so yeah, it's just perfect for training. I really enjoy being there. It's a good crew out there as well with them boys. And yeah, it's just I always take something back from it as well. Hanging out with cross country guys, I think also I think their scene is quite, especially from the downhill group. Um, the scene is quite like regimented not much personality, just like robots. Yeah. But it's really nice to see like a different side to them. And uh, yeah, they're quite a lot different to what I expected, but just the way they live their lives and like commit themselves to their sport is like nothing I've seen before. Um, So I always take back, I always take a little bit away from that, if you know what I mean. Um, And try and put a little bit of that into my own training and, my own life really nice. in a good spot then yeah in a good spot yeah to be honest really really happy like i've been riding quite a lot over the last couple of weeks and i feel pretty good um it's just about time to start putting a bit of downhill bike in now really which i'm really excited for i've ridden a couple of times this off season already just kind of playing about yeah and um yeah just looking forward to spending a bit a bit more time on it really sounds good sounds good before we finally finish up yeah a couple of quick things i wanted to talk to you about i want to talk briefly about jordan and jackson yeah um it's been a really cool battle to watch you've seen it from the inside of the team on the team with jordan there and i guess in a in a way similar to you and finn battling through the the junior years and it took both you and finn a while till 2022 both you got your first elite yeah victory um knowing what you know of those guys and certainly of of jordan like how do you feel that's going to be for that move up into elite because it's a big move anyway, but we've also got a lot of change coming with like yeah. the, the move from Red Bull to Discovery SO and yeah. structure and stuff. Like, yeah. do you, how do you think that might pan out for those guys? I don't know. Honestly, I think they're both incredibly talented lads. Um, they've shown that over the last couple of years. Um, but you never really know, do you? You never really know. And it is different as much as, I mean, I was in their position once where and I just thought, well, it's still the same thing. I'm still riding my bike by myself, you know, against the clock ultimately. Um, and it's just the same. I just race at a different time of day, which it is. But there is, I feel like there is a lot more to it once you get started than maybe you first realise. Um, and it, yeah, and it certainly took me and Finn a little bit of time to kind of get acclimatised to that yeah. and figure it out. Um, so there's obviously going to, I would expect there'd be like a period of time where 
they're finding their feet a little bit. But at the end of the day, they're super fast and they're talented lads and they have good people around them and I'm sure they'll figure it out. Going to be interesting to watch, isn't it? Yeah, 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 for sure. Does it, does it like, as a rider that's looking for those top five spots and ideally the win, hmm. does it like worry you seeing people that were posting times like that coming up into your category? Like, does that feel like another person that could potentially get in the way? Um, yes and no. I mean, yeah, I guess in some ways you think, well, they're super fast and um, it makes it more difficult. But then the sport's so up and down and it you see it with like Kolb this year. Maybe at the start of the year, you would never have said Kolb is going to be one of the guys that would push you out of a podium spot. But now you definitely would. Yeah. So there's no reason why, you know, it could be anyone is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, there's, there's, I think there's always new guys that are coming in that are fast, but there's, it doesn't have to be guys that are coming from junior. It can be people that are coming from uh, lower ranked teams that have now got a better factory ride and they've got a bit more support and yeah. uh, have more potential or... I think there's always people coming from different places that can challenge. Um, but then being able to challenge every weekend and being one of those guys that's always on the podium and becoming a real threat long-term is maybe different. And I think even for myself, I'm there sometimes. You know, I'm in the, on the podium sometimes, sometimes I'm not. Mm. So um, it's just, it is just one of those things. And it's it, you get it in every sport, don't you? And it's just something you've got to got to deal with and get on and I think ultimately the lads from junior that are coming up now they're they are you know fully supported they've been riding for a long long time they've been riding good quality downhill bikes yeah. since they're young and I think they will change the sport over the next few years I think younger riders coming in will definitely influence how the sport is and especially with the changes with Discovery and ESO there's obviously going to be some format changes and stuff and that may that may play into their hands it, it, it may not I think it's going to be a change for everybody and maybe it will kind of neutralise any advantages people that have been in elite have, have now got yeah everyone's uh, puzzling over the new format yeah, right yeah yeah so everyone's in the same boat a little bit yeah um so maybe that'll have an impact, but um, yeah, let's see. I mean, it's an exciting sport, and it's still um, it's still fastest top to bottom, and that can change quite quickly. With for sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be people out there, and then boys coming through that are going to challenge. But um, the thing is, like with World Cup racing, there's so many people these days that can do well. You've just got to focus on yourself, really. Yeah, I think I've learned that a lot uh, through coming up through the ranks from juniors as well and like spending time with Jordan he was he was really focused over a weekend of how Jackson was getting on because I think between the two of them they re they knew that realistically if Jackson wasn't going to win it was Jordan and if Jordan yeah. wasn't going to win it was going to be Jackson so yeah. they were so heavily focused on each other and what they were well I, I can only say from Jordan's side but he was yeah. so focused on what Jackson was doing a lot of the time and that completely changes when you get to elite because you can't focus on 20 riders at once. <laughs> you know, you've got to focus on yourself. Yeah. So there has to be a bit of change there. Otherwise, you just get overwhelmed. Um, and, and for me personally, there was almost that little bit of, um, 
when your idols become your rivals type of thing. Uh, and that took me a little bit of time to get used to, but that's just totally a personality thing like that. Uh-huh. might not bother them at all, but um, for me, it took a little bit of getting used to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's see. It'll be exciting anyway. And um, yeah, I'm just not racing my bike for a long time, so I'm just keen to keen to have a crack. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be an exciting season. And we've got world champs and all the other cycling discipline championships in Fort William. Yeah. A track you go well at and you've got that home crowd support. Yeah. Does that make that a real focus for the season for you? It is a real focus, yeah. Um, I mean, it would just be, yeah, it'd be unreal to do well there. Um, like you said, I've always tended to do pretty well there. Um, so for sure, I'm pretty excited to race, um, especially with like family and friends being able to get up and support as well. Um it will be a pretty exciting race weekend, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, so I guess that's quite a big goal of mine now um, is to is to prepare ready for that one. But yeah, just uh, try and do as well as I can. It's quite clear that uh, I want to win more races and uh, go for another overall. And I think the only thing I've really not ticked off is a world champs, yeah. elite world champs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's the road to Fort William from here. Exciting times, man. Yeah. Well, if people want to follow your journey over the coming season, where's the best place for them to look? Uh, classic places, Instagram, uh, Matt Walker DH, and then the team account is Madison Saracen. So generally through a race weekend, there'll be, especially this season, there'll be a lot more social media content from our side being put out. So, um yeah. Yeah, go and check it out. Nice one. I'll stick links to both of those in the show notes. People can find them nice and easily. But yeah, thanks, mate. It's been super interesting chatting. I'm glad you're back in one piece and uh, heading towards another season at the top end of the sport, hopefully. Looking forward to seeing how it goes. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers. All right, that's it for this episode with Matt. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thank you to Stash Products for supporting this episode. If you want to upgrade your bike storage to something that's convenient, easy to access, yet still saves you space, then the Stash Space Rail is the one for you. Due to its incredible popularity, there are no discounts right now, but we do have something special for downtime listeners. If you spend £200 or more on a Space Rail system, then downtime listeners get a free set of pedal wraps in their choice of size worth up to £20. Just add the pedal wraps to your cart and use the code DOWNTIME at the checkout. You've got until the end of February to make the most of that code. And if you want to save more, then there's currently free shipping on all systems worldwide over £250 until the end of January 2023. Check them out over at stashproducts.co.uk. That's S-T-A-S-H-E-D products.co.uk and use the code downtime to get your free pedal wraps. There's a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023. So make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that by telling your friends about the show, sharing the podcast on your social media, grabbing yourself some merch at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Subscribing to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP, over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP, or leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>